Hey, it is so good to have you with us at Elam Christian Center in Papakura. Man, we have new people come every week, and it's our honor to welcome you. Our heart has always been that you would just feel right at home, part of the family, and at your own pace. Uh, we'd love to, along the way, introduce you to this amazing God who we believe would bring uh, life to your bones. And so I can't wait to preach a message today. Usually we would be in a message series, but we finished that last week, which is exciting. And so today I got a bit of a free week. And so I got a message for you called Rise Again. Everyone say Rise Again. Now, um, over the years, uh, Darcy and I have had the opportunity to preach quite a few times, which is amazing. We count it a great honor because, to be honest, there's nothing that gets us as excited as seeing people come alive when they meet God. Like, it's just like we're passionate about it. We love it. It's an honor for us to be involved in that. And so usually when, like, we're doing our preaching and doing our thing, we like to think it goes pretty well, and we plan and we prepare for it, but every now and then it doesn't go to plan. Right? We've all had moments where what you prepared for doesn't go to plan. I remember this one time, Darcy and I were invited to preach at this intermediate aged uh, leadership conference. So these are like 10, 11, 12 year olds, and it was hosted at Elam Christian College in our Botany campus. And so there were maybe 100, 150 students from a bunch of different schools across Auckland. And we were there to help encourage these little youngsters, these little rippers um, in their godly leadership. And this one particular session, Darcy was preaching, they were in for a treat, and it was all going well until all of a sudden, mid-sentence, as I sat there among the intermediates, I watched Darcy just stop talking mid-sentence. And I just thought, ah, it happens to the best of us. She might be a bit distracted. Maybe she's a bit lost or whatever. She's trying to find herself. And then I'm like, she'll start talking again any moment now. A few really long seconds go by, and she's still not talking. I'm like, this is not how it works, Darcy. You actually got to talk like, I know you expect me to read your mind, but the teenagers can't, all right? Um, so, so you've got to actually open up. And I'm, I'm wondering what's going on. It was crazy. It was like all of a sudden, in, in a moment's time, mid-sentence, her mouth just went so dry. Like it just dried up to the point where she was just like speechless. Like she couldn't get a single word out. And as I sat there watching it, all of a sudden it dawned on me, like a rocket scientist, my wife might need some water. And so... <laughs> I got up out of my seat and I start making my way to the back of the room, hoping to find a bottle of water. And while I'm on my way back, there's this precious little 12-year-old boy right in the middle of the middle section. And he just slowly lifts his water bottle, like Rafiki lifting Simba. It was amazing. And everyone around was like, that's amazing. All the intermediate girls are like, oh, he's so handsome. And like, they're loving him. And I'm in the back like, no, you don't. I'm like, don't you undermine me. Don't you offer my wife water before I can get it to her. And so I run up the front and I grab the water from him and I come and make sure everyone sees me deliver the water to my wife, letting them know who the true hero was. I was much nicer than that. I did come and take the water and deliver it, but it was much nicer than that. It's like in that moment, like her voice was so dry, she couldn't even get a word out. She got distracted. She's trying to figure out what to do, where to go. Her uh, vision had come off of the mission that she had in that moment. But then as I gave her the water, she took a few sips and what was dry became refreshed. What was silent found its voice again. And after a few moments, she was able to continue and, uh, you know, continue delivering this amazing message that helped these young people. And I was thinking about that and I realized it can be so much like that in our lives. Like life can seem to be going well and all of a sudden we get interrupted by a moment of dryness, a moment of silence. Like we thought it was going well, things were charging ahead, we were making progress and all of a sudden there you are, dry. 
and maybe this year and everything that's come with it has chucked all sorts at you. And maybe you found yourself even now in this moment, if you were to be honest, maybe you say, I'm feeling a bit dry. I'm feeling a bit lifeless. I'm feeling a bit dead perhaps. It's like you're going through the motions. And I'm not here to judge that because like we all get these seasons. Maybe you're like, I'm turning up to church. You know, I make sure we pray before dinner. I read the word for today and I'm trying to live a good life, but it just feels like nothing's happening. Nothing's changing, nothing's growing, just nothing. And it's not for lack of desire. Like you desperately want something to change, but all you can see is the here and the now. Someone asks you this question, they say, hey, so where, where do you see yourself in five years? And you're taken back. You don't even know what's for dinner that night, let alone what your life is going to look like in five years. It's like you've become blinded. Um, maybe the vision for your future has dropped. Maybe dreams have been laid to rest. Maybe vision for your life has become blurry. And while you don't know what the way forward is, you know you've got to move forward. You know something has to change. You're feeling dry and something has to shift. Could I suggest that perhaps you need a resurrection moment? Well, I got good news for you. Because Jesus, who is the lover of our souls and the refresher of our spirits, he said this in John 4, 14. He said, but anyone who drinks the water that I give would never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. That's an amazing promise. I want you to know today, Jesus isn't offering you a sparkling water. Right, that's not what that is, because God would never offer you a sparkling water. That's from the enemy. Sparkling water is gross. It's a deception, and it's a lie, and he is the father of lies. Anyone with me? Sparkling water. What a letdown. It's like you're led to believe you're going to indulge in this beautiful fizzy drink, and then you're met with the disappointing metallic taste of water. Yeah. It's like decaf coffee. Why? Anyway, so... <laughs> In Genesis chapter 2, um, 2, 1, I get it, 2, Genesis chapter 2, those that were in the first service remember that I made the same mistake, embarrassing. Genesis chapter 2, it says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. We read that and we go, oh yeah, if you thought about it, dust is just dry, it's lifeless, it's formless, there's nothing to it. But then it says he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, interesting, and the man became a living person. God then creates the Garden of Eden filled with animals and, and plants and the whole deal, and He instructs mankind to have dominion over it to work the land. And so He breathes life, and then He gives purpose. He breathes life, and then He gives purpose. And the Garden of Eden is this beautiful picture of a land that was flourishing the way God designed it. It was fruitful, it was peaceful, and it resembled heaven. But as we know, because of the rebellion of mankind, it's like a shadow is cast over the land. And over time, this place drifts more and more away from the way that God designed it to be. And this rebellion just continues on throughout time. And by the time we get to the book of Ezekiel, which is written about 571 BC, this rebellion has gotten out of control. Now, Ezekiel, he was one of the priests in Jerusalem during the first Babylonian attack. And when the Babylonians attacked, one of the results of that is a large group of people were taken out and exiled away from the city. And Ezekiel was one of the priests that was part of that first exile and taken away uh, to Babylon. And while he's there, God gives Ezekiel some visions. And these visions outline the destruction and the exile, like there's more to come for the Israelite people because of how far they've turned their back on God. Like it's out of control. They're worshiping all these false, false godly statues, not only in the courtyards, but also in the temple. They've been looking for provision and protection from something that can't offer it. 
and centuries of this rebellion and breaking the agreement, the covenant that God had with his people Israel has left this people living in a broken land. Now God promises that one day he would restore some of these people back to that land and he would restore the people as well, taking away their hard heart and giving what the Bible says is a heart of flesh. It would be a soft heart, a heart that was capable of loving God and loving people. I love that amidst humankind's rebellion, constantly turning their back on God, the pain, the hurt, the suffering, the exile, God still gives the promise of hope for the future. That's pretty exciting. But inevitably, these visions do come to pass because God is good on His promises and Jerusalem is attacked again and the temple falls. Now, this is a pretty bad time for that nation. After that, God then begins to give more visions to Ezekiel on that hope that he promised. Sure, there was consequences for their sin and turning their back on God, but there's always a hope provided. And one of the visions that God gives Ezekiel, we read about in Ezekiel chapter 37, which is the basis for that song we sung today. Darcy shared about it brilliantly in a moment there. And in your Bible, in Ezekiel chapter 37, it'll be subtitled, A Valley of Dry Bones. And this is a pretty amazing vision. In this vision, God takes Ezekiel, not for reals, but in in a vision, to a valley filled with human remains, filled with bones. And they're not just bones, but they're very dry. And God says to Ezekiel, he says, son of man, which is just a title he used to refer to Ezekiel at this time. He says, son of man, can these bones become living people again? And Ezekiel answered how I'd probably answer. I don't know, (laughs) right? He says, God, only you know the answer to that. And he says, well, Ezekiel, what I want you to do is I want you to speak a prophetic word to these dry bones that resemble death and lifelessness. I want you to say a couple of things. And the first thing you need to say is, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. And so he says that, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. And then he says, I want you to follow up with this prophetic message. He says, say this, say this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And get this, he says, so I spoke this message just as he told me. He was obedient. He listened. He did it. He spoke the word just as he told me. Suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling sound across the valley. The moment that Ezekiel was obedient, he heard the word of the Lord, he took action, and he declared the word of the Lord. That's the moment that the miracle started forming. The bones all come together, the muscles and skin start forming. Remember, this is a vision, and they look like people, but there's still no life in them. Present, but not alive. Formed, but empty. I wonder if there's some people feeling that way today. God gives Ezekiel a second instruction. He says, prophesy again, say some more. So you speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. Again, so I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And they are saying, we have become old dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. That can often be the perspective when you're feeling dry. My hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open up your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your homeland. 
then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. It's interesting, isn't it? In a valley of dry bones that represented death and lifelessness and the falling apart of a nation, all it needed was the declaration of God's word. And God chooses to unpack this vision of hope and restoration um, and, and this newly formed army that rises up, that represents the army of Israel, they are the ones saying in this vision, we are just old dry bones. Our hope is gone and our nation is over. I don't know if you feel like that. There seems to be people in our community feeling like that, but I refuse to accept that about our community. I refuse to accept that we are a nation that is gone, that we are a people without hope. I want to prophesy over you right now the word of the Lord, that he would open up our graves of exile and we too would rise again. Here's the truth. When God says to move, things move. That's just how it's always been. He's a God who carries authority and power and sovereignty. And when God says to move, things move. There was just one time, and we sang about it in the song, where the prophet Elisha was dead, and a dead man was thrown on top of him. But there was so much resurrecting power still in the corpse of the prophet Elijah that the dead man that was chucked on top sprung to life. That's exciting. When Jesus was crucified, he went into the tomb. If you know the story, you know he was there for three days. But then God commanded the stone to roll away, and you better believe the stone rolled away. God used Moses to stand in front of Pharaoh. And, and there was so much oppression on the people of Israel. And he essentially said, get out of our way. By the authority of God, he said, move, get out. He said, let my people go, and eventually the people will let go. He uses Moses to stand in front of the Red Sea. And in this entire sea, ocean, massive body of water is split so that they could travel through on dry ground. Like, I don't know if I would have had the faith for that. Because in reality, in our own strength, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. I think of the Israelites that marched around the fortified cities of the walls of Jericho. There was something massive and solid and strong in between them and the promises of God. But that very thing was crumbled and brought back to dust. Why? Because after the seventh day walking around it, they declared the word of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, let there be light. And guess what happened? There was light. He said, let there be, and there was. That's the God that we serve. That he could look at something, and he could say, let there be, and there was. You know, God says that about you. You know, often we come, and we, we hear stories like that, and we go, oh, if only I had that faith. You know what God says to you, though? He says, all you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. I don't know if you've seen one. It's real small. I think he purposefully picked the smallest one he could find to illustrate this for us so that we didn't get ahead of ourselves. You could even have the smallest amount of faith and you could speak to that mountain in your life and say, move, and the Bible says it would be cast into the sea. Look, I don't know what challenge you're facing. I don't know the hurt that you're walking through, the challenge you need to overcome, or the valley that you're going through. But I want to declare today and believe with you that even as we sit in this room, God is already starting to breathe fresh life over you. He did it in Genesis with Adam. He breathed life into dry dirt. That same presence raised up a valley of dry bones in the book of Ezekiel. And that presence wants to wash over your dry spirit today to refresh you and to renew you and to bring you new life. You know, maybe you're here and you would say, I don't see hope for my future. This year's just been all over the show. My plans have fallen apart. Everything's upside down. You know, maybe you'd say, I don't see it like Ezekiel sees it. He had a vision for how people would be restored and what the future would look like, and I don't see that. It's interesting that for Ezekiel, all that he did was he heard the word of the Lord and he was obedient, 
he declared the word of God, and it was that obedience that allowed him to see more of the vision. Had he just said, no, God, that's crazy, I'm not saying that, get lost, find someone else, then he wouldn't have seen the fullness of the vision. But he just decided to be obedient, declare God's word, and then he saw that. Truth is, every dead thing is a chance for a new thing. Every dead thing is a chance for a new thing. We serve a resurrecting God. He doesn't just let things die without bringing fresh life to something else. And just like God breathed fresh life into dry dirt in Genesis 2, the water of the Holy Spirit wants to wash over you, to refresh you, to bring resurrection to your bones. And this resurrection isn't just for you, but it's so that God could work through your life into other people. I want to show you in Isaiah 58, verse 11 and 12, it says this. It says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild and rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities, and you'll be known as the rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes. That's awesome. I want to claim that over us, over us as a people and over us as a church, that God would heal our land and resurrect what has once been dead. But in order for us to see that resurrection in our community, guess what? He has to see it within us first. If he's to use us, he needs a resurrected people. God could have made those declarations over the Valley of Dry Bones by himself. Like he's God, he could have declared that, but he didn't do that. He chose Ezekiel and he chose, he chose <laughs> to work with Ezekiel. He chose to work with his people to make that declaration because God's restoration of those around us will overflow out of the resurrection within us. Now there's a couple of really interesting Key, some interesting things I noticed in this vision of the Valley of Dry Bones as I was reading it. It's interesting that God's approach to restoring the entire nation to which he chose, the nation of Israel, was to first restore his people. It wasn't solely resting on the rising up of a new leader. It wasn't like once the election's over and we, and we find out who our leader is, then it will all come to pass. Once the right leader rises up, no, it wasn't on that. It wasn't on the, the changing of our thinking, or perhaps our thinking needs to change in certain areas. But his approach to restoring a nation, we see in this vision, was he put emphasis on breathing fresh life and giving a new heart to his people. And God is calling us to be part of a resurrecting vision, just like Ezekiel was. You know, in one sense, our society kind of is like a society in exile, a society detached from our heavenly home. Probably we could say, at least in my lifetime, I don't know of a time where we're a people that have felt so detached and isolated and, and abandoned and, and detached from one another. A people that have lost sight of the victory of their God and the plans that He has for them. But God wants to restore our land, but the truth is He wants to use us to do it. Because resurrection in our community must start with resurrection within me and within you. Our community needs a strong you. It needs an anointed you. The gifts that you have and the value that br you bring are just as valuable as anybody else. We so desperately and strongly believe in the priesthood of all believers. You matter to God and He wants to use you. Amen. Um, our, our gathering here, our heart has always been that we would be filled up, that we would be touched by God that we would be renewed, but that we would always have our backs to each other because the focus would be with those that are not yet here. That as long as there is someone in this community that doesn't know God, we've got work to do and we've got surrendering to do and we've got the touch of God to ask for because that's why he's got us here. 
I want Papakura to be different, but to be better because we're here. That this place would be like a bubbling spring that overflows into the dry grounds around us. A couple of things I noticed in this vision with Ezekiel um, that I think could encourage us today. The first thing is this, that Ezekiel, he lived the word. He lived it. You know, Ezekiel being used by God was so dependent on his response of obedience. Like God asked him to share a word, to share a declaration of life, and he didn't just sit there coming up with all the excuses as to why it wasn't a good idea. I know I've been there, but he didn't do that. He was obedient. Listen, there were not dead people in front of Ezekiel. There were dry bones. That's way more dead. (laughs) Like nobody in their right mind would even begin to believe that life could come out of what he saw. And yet when God said, Ezekiel, do this, he did it as the Lord commanded. If you want resurrecting power and life in your bones, we can't just hear the word of God. We actually have to live it out. We have to be consider it on the daily about how we take his instructions and apply them to our lives. Ezekiel didn't just hear God say, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy to the people. And he says, that's a great idea. I'm off. No, but he heard it. And then he took action and he did it as the Lord had commanded. Come, we don't expect to get the cake in the picture if we make up our own recipe, right? At least I don't. And (laughs) God's word is not, it's not just a book of like wise sayings and good ideas. It's the living, breathing, active word of the Lord. And our willingness to align our lives with it and actually live it out and apply it on the daily will determine how closely we align our lives with heaven. If your faith feels dry and lifeless, it might be because you're living a version of Christianity that the Bible doesn't talk about. I'm not saying you can't have a dry and lifeless season, but He is a resurrecting God that brings life to your bones that is closer than you think. When you're feeling dry and lifeless, the road between you and your resurrection, it includes your part and it includes God's part. Right? That's what happened in this vision. God gave the word, Ezekiel was obedient and did his part, but then it's God that started the miracle. There are so many examples in the Bible. We can't go through even a portion of them. But you might read something in the Word that says, where there's unity, there's the command and blessing of God. That's amazing. It's a provisional promise. Not everyone gets it. That sounds sad. But it says, where there's unity, there's the command and blessing of God. And you might say, well, where's, where's my blessing? I don't feel like I'm living in the blessing of God. Well, have you addressed unity? Like practically, like have you called someone up to say, I'm so sorry for the way that I spoke to you that time? Have you arranged a meeting? Is is an apology owed that way or maybe is it requested that way? I don't know, but practically, have you gone out to build unity in your life where there was once disunity? And as you build that unity, the promise of God is that there would be the commanded blessing of God. We can't just read that in the Word. We actually have to live it out. Ezekiel did that. He heard the Word and he lived it out. So he lived the Word. Secondly, he declared the Word. And Ben, you guys can join me. We're going to do things a little bit different today. He declared the word, which is kind of the same, but a bit more specific. God asked him to do something, and he did that thing. But the thing that he did was he declared the word of God. You know, in Genesis, God said, let there be, and there was. I need you to know that the declared word of God comes with the anointing of heaven. It's not just truth. It is truth, but it's not just truth. It will alter your reality. Ezekiel spoke to the Valley of Dry Bones, and what was the very first thing he said to them? He says, listen to the word of the Lord. And as he shared the message that God had given him, it says, suddenly as I spoke. How good is that? 
The moment he stepped out and was obedient, suddenly as I spoke, that's when the rattle across the valley began. When you declare God's word over your life, it's like a fresh overflowing spring into dry ground. It refreshes, it restores, and it reminds. It was Ezekiel speaking out loud that began the rattle in the valley of dry bones. It was him declaring God's truth that brought about the resurrection in front of him in this vision. You know, sometimes it's not what you're going through, it's how you speak about what you're going through that impacts your future. In Daniel chapter nine, Daniel gets this vision and he's praying to God and the angel Gabriel comes and he says, Daniel, I've come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a command was heaven. Come on, when we declare God's word, heaven gives an answer. There is something powerful about us opening our mouth and declaring God's truth over the lies that we're believing, over the reality that we're living. Declaring God's word over your life is not a magic spell, but it is declaring the truth of an almighty, living, powerful, and present God. And I know for many of us in this room, we know that and we do it, and yet for some, you've never done that. You think maybe the promises of God are true, but for other people, He's overlooked me. He's left me out. Friends, that's just not true. That's a lie. I want to invite everyone to stand. Do it a bit different this morning. When you declare... When you pray and when you praise, something shifts even if you can't see it. When we choose to praise God, when we feel dry and dead, what happens is it brings alignment. It's our praise that gets the rattle going. That's why when we sang that song earlier, it says, this is the sound of dry bones rattling. What is? What is the this? It's our praise. It's lifting up the name of Jesus above our circumstances. Some of you today need to lift your dry bones and believe for God to wash over your dry bones and your spirit and refresh you again. The truth is you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The truth is that every single person who is in Christ is declared to be more than a conqueror. That God's goodness will follow you all the days of your life. That you do have purpose. You are extravagantly loved and you will rise again. I want to say to you dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. I want us to say something out loud and then we're going to sing. Maybe you've never spoken God's word over your life. I want you to repeat after me. Say this, believe it, declare it, and then we're going to lift our praise to God. I want you to say this. Say, God made me on purpose and He loves me. Come on. Believe it today. Say, God has an exciting plan for my life. Say, I will come through this challenging time. That God wants to use me to impact our community. Two more. My greatest days are ahead. Spirit of God, lead me and guide me. Come on, let's lift up our praise to God.
want you just to appropriately lay a hand on their shoulder. Make sure nobody doesn't have someone praying with them. And just for a moment, in your own time where you are, I just want you to pray maybe 30 seconds or a minute. Why don't we just spend time right now praying for that healing? Let's do that. God, we believe your promises. We stand on the truth of your word that says, by your stripes we are healed. And I ask right now in Jesus' name for a complete restoration of every physical body. God, that pain would go in Jesus' name. That anxiety would go in Jesus' name. That realignment would come into place. That bodies would be restored to the way you designed them. God, we know that there's sickness and we live in a broken world, but you are a miracle working God. And I pray for heaven to invade earth right now, to invade everybody, to bring healing, to bring alignment, to bring restoration. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, why don't you, why don't you just grab a seat again? So there you have Ezekiel in this vision with God. He lived the word. He actually heard the instruction and he lived it out. He declared the word, believing that it would be powerful. And the third thing is that he knew the word. And it's not, he knew the words. It's not about knowing the words in in the Bible. That's important. It wasn't about knowing the words to the songs, but he knew the word. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word, Word, is often used in reference to Jesus, in reference to God. Ezekiel didn't just hear the instruction and declare the Word of God, but he knew God and he trusted God. You'd have to trust God to declare that over a valley of dry bones. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, Then if my people who are called by name, my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and restore their land. God wants to restore our land. He wants to refresh your tired soul and He wants to fire you up for the thing that He created you to do. But if God is gonna impact our community, He first has to be able to resurrect us. Did you notice that every time God gave Ezekiel something to say, it always finished with this. He said, then they will know that I am the Lord. There is nothing in this life that will refresh your soul, renew your vision more than a life-giving relationship with Jesus. The Israelites in the book of Ezekiel, they had taken their eyes off who their God was and they had started to put other things on the throne of their life. And we all do that. Maybe it's money and success. Maybe it's a romantic relationship, happiness, maybe affirmation from your peers. I know for some people in this room, they've placed Jesus on that throne and their life has been transformed. All those other things are fine, but they won't satisfy like a relationship with God does. That's why the story of the woman at the well should be so eye-opening for us. If you don't know it, Jesus is having a conversation with a lady who has gone from guy to guy to guy, and yet there she is still feeling dry. 
And Jesus says this to her. It's what we shared right at the beginning, John 4, 14. He says, but anyone who drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It's like a fresh bubbling spring that rises up within giving eternal life. I need you to know that the purpose of your resurrection has always been relationship. That's why, because God wants to know you more than He ever wants to see you do stuff. God wants to have a relationship any more, so much more than He wants you to put you into action. We're obedient to God's Word, not because it rules over us, but because it's our honor to give of our life to a God who has saved our souls. We declare the Word of God, not because it's a magic spell that gives us what we want, but because within it is the heart of God. And it brings and it restores joy for us to declare God's Word over our life and over the lives of others. And all of that comes from knowing Jesus, not knowing about Him, not knowing the stories or the lyrics to the songs that we sing in church, but being still, being close, and hearing the small whisper. And that's why in Psalm 46 verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Jesus wants to offer you brand new, fresh life today. He wants to give you that free gift of salvation. And the Holy Spirit wants to come and wash over your dry bones, renewing you and restoring you so that you would never be thirsty again. Sin in our life, it separates us from a perfect God. Maybe you've experienced this, uh, I have before where that sin has us leaving, has us leaving feeling dry and empty and dead and separated and alone. And so when Jesus in John 10, 10 said, the enemy comes to rob, kill and destroy, you might be able to attest to that. But Jesus said, he may do that, but I've come that people would have life and life in all its fullness. I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. And for some people in the room today, it's gonna be the greatest prayer you've ever prayed in your whole life. It's the difference between you walking alone and you walking step by step with the God who made you. He wants to renew you, He wants to forgive you, and He wants to give you a brand new start right now today. Just ask everyone to close their eyes. I'm gonna pray this prayer out loud. If you wanna ask Jesus into your life, you wanna start a relationship with Him, He's waiting, He's ready. He wants to embrace you exactly as you are right now. You pray this prayer and you mean it. Say, dear God, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, but I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross to take the punishment that my sin deserved. And because you would do that, a way has been made for me to be forgiven. And so God, I ask that you would forgive me today. Would you make me brand new? I ask you to come into my life as my Lord and as my Savior. I give you my whole life holding nothing back in Jesus' name. With every eye still closed and head still bowed. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I wanna know who I was including in that prayer. We wanna help you. I won't embarrass you, but in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand nice and high. You put it nice and high, I'll see it. You can put it straight back down. I won't embarrass you. If you prayed that prayer, you meant it. Today, you're believing you've been made brand new. I want you to lift your hand in three, two, one, go now. Awesome, amazing. On my left and here again, yep. Is there anybody else at the back? Awesome there and there, awesome, I see. So good, so good. Church, I'm gonna pray one final prayer and we're all gonna celebrate together. God, I thank you today that you are a resurrecting God. What was once dead has been brought back to life. I pray God for those that lifted their hands, you would bring the right people around them, you would restore them, you'd get them into great community and help them take each step as it comes. I thank you that their future is bright and their greatest days are ahead. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those people. That's awesome.